0: Look at the size of those dogs. If one of those wants to eat you, you are are no more than a snack, Marnie. Hey, dude, what kind of dogs are those? An an American bulldog and a French mastiff. Wow. I don't don't know who sold you them, but they're the same. You know that,
1: right? Hi, I'm Emily Dean. Welcome to Walking the Dog. Remember the three things on your to-do list today. Rate, review and subscribe. I genuinely feel really excited to hear what you think of the show, so please keep your thoughts coming. This week, I went out for a stroll with the hilarious Jimmy Carr and his beautiful little Yorkshire Terrier, Marnie. He's also got two English toy terriers, but we left them at home because they're too good-looking and high-maintenance to have to walk anywhere. Or so has Jimmy come to think of it. He likes to keep it real. He didn't even use gloves when he handed me the poo bags to carry. Hashtag blessed.
0: Do not poop. Don't poop. No pooping. Come on. (laughs) Jimmy, you
1: know me better than that by now. I use the toilet.
0: Come on, come on, Marnie.
1: Um, right, come on, Marnie. We're leaving now. Oh, what a lovely day
0: for it, Jimmy. Is that, is that your car? Yeah. Okay, and you're doing regional sales.
1: <laughs> Jimmy's been rude <laughs> about my Benz. It's
0: very nice. Jimmy, are
1: you rude about my Mercedes? No, I'm
0: just, I know, because I thought I know, it I know you like, bit... I know you like your Mercs, so I thought I would no, tease you, know,
1: you. You know what? It, it does look a bit like I own a really successful chain of dry cleaners yes. in the North
0: London area. Yes, indeed. Well, I just. Um, <laughs> I just watched this show. O- o- is it Ozarks or Ozarks on Netflix? Okay. About money laundering. And suddenly, suddenly, so many businesses now make sen- sense to me. You know when you see a nail cell on and like, no one's in there? And you go, I've never seen anyone in there. And you go, oh, that's a money laundering place. Welcome to North London.
1: I love your phone naivety. Why are, you, why are you. About money laundering. So we should say this. <laughs> My phone is... naivety
0: about money laundering. Hey, listen, there was a bit of tax avoidance. <laughs> it's nothing too bad, it's all paid back.
1: So it is paid back. Can I just say it is all paid back? Not a lot of people know that, but it is.
0: So we should, we should do the, um, we should do do the intro. intro. So this is my dog, Marnie, who we rescued. Um... This is Jimmy
1: Carr, by the way. Oh, hello,
0: I'm Jimmy Carr, this and is Jimmy I'm walking Carr. my dog. I've and got I'm two Emily dogs, Dean. Two dogs that are English Toy Terriers who are a, I don't want to say a nightmare, but they've, they've both got sort of health issues, so they don't, they don't really come out a lot, which is just as well. I mean, they're only 12 inches tall. They're like a Doberman pincher far away, is what my, my other dogs are like. They are, they're like a sawn-off Doberman Pincher. that's how I see them. So, they're crazy, like Taxi, the little one, who I call Taxi so I could take to the park and shout, taxi.
1: taxi! I thought that might have been why you named her good. It's a good, it's yeah, a good it's name, great. right?
0: And uh, Taxi and Mackey, uh, adorable, I love them, but they can't be around other people because Taxi's a little bit... I, I don't think he got quite enough uh, oxygen very early on, and as a result of that, he is proper crazy. But that's okay. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind getting nipped every now and then. Uh, nice. But then we rescued Marnie from, you know these people, Blue Cross?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Oh, very good. I've got a photo shoot with her for Blue Cross this week, with Rankin, who I really like. Oh so wow. So we rescued her from, from uh, Blue Cross, although the uh, rescue dogs don't get a rescue dog. Why? We'll, uh, my, uh, my nana got one, and then she had a fall, and it just sat there and did nothing. <laughs> They're a disgrace. They're not the fourth emergency service that lo- I thought they the might producer's
1: be. Bruce is actually laughing. That's good, Jimmy.
0: He's giggling. Okay, um. all right, we're crossing the road. Uh, Marnie is looking around for tennis balls. No tennis balls? Right. She's obsessed. So when we adopted her, we had, have, we had to have, like, a date. We basically did um, Tinder for dogs. Oh, so did So she came over for a date with the other dogs, mm. and the other dogs, who are crazy, had a little sort, of, little sort of tentative sniff around and went, yeah, no, I like that. That's pretty good. So we got we got her like as a little. I mean, we just thought we've got a house that's big, big enough for another little dog, and you know why not? And she's an absolute joy. She's like the best thing that's ever she's happened. She's so and
1: cute. And what is she, Jimmy, breed
0: wise? She's she's, uh, I, she's a Yorkshire Terrier, like a yeah. classic Yorkshire Terrier. One we got her, obviously, she she uh, she had slightly longer hair. Yeah. And, then, and I thought, well, she's cute. And then I cut the hair and kind of went, oh, actually, she's sort of the nicest thing that's ever lived.
1: And the other dogs, I know you've said to me in the past, which I really enjoy this hey, observation yeah. that. You thought they were a bit like, it was a bit like dating models or something.
0: Yeah, the they're, oh, they're apt, I mean, I think English Toy Terrors are maybe the the most beautiful dog. And they're also like, the heritage is really interesting. They're the first ever sort of town dogs. They were bred to be kept in town in the. Remember, A.A. Gill, God Rest His Soul, sort of told me the heritage of the dogs. Came over one day and went, oh, yeah, I know what they are. And it's the they're the first ever sort of city dogs. And they were yeah, Because he was a big dog, dog lover. Yeah, wasn't and he, he loved yeah. them, yeah. Um, Uh, He was like, uh, they were ratters and they were there to kind of be, you know, small and you could sort of have them in town and and they looked cute, so sort of London back in the heyday. And then this is just, you know, a a Yorkshire Terrier and they're just, I don't know, she's adorable, so playful, sort of feels like you've got a puppy.
1: Do you think she's made, she brings out the best in Mackie and Taxi because her sort of lack of neurosis is infectious?
0: In a good way. That was certainly the plan. Hasn't happened. (laughs) Hasn't happened. It's yeah. It's. uh,
1: But you know some people are too good looking to be nice, and I think that's well. I think I think the
0: I think Armands. Yeah, they're they're, um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's dating a supermodel. (laughs) It's uh, it's I don't know. Yeah, some models are all right. Some are (laughs) some are a laugh. But I mean that's a real that's a real unicorn. Money is just having a, having a pee on everything as and we she go. she hasn't
1: pooed yet. I've got the bags here, just in case. I've given the bags.
0: She or I poo, we've got bags.
1: And did you... So were you from a dog or a cat family, like a pet family, when you were growing up?
0: No, when I was growing up, we had... Uh, my mum enjoyed enjoyed buying a dog, did not enjoy keeping a dog. Uh, and then we had various <laughs> family members and a wonderful lady called uh, Joan Coleman, who's, who's sort of... You know one of those people that's kind of like an aunt because they're around so much you just think, well, they're pretty much family. Yeah. Uh, and she, she was... Uh, so Joan used to was my auntie Bridie took my first dog. Uh, it was a, a Shih Tzu called Sooty. And, and my that auntie was your dog? was Yeah, it was my dog, but it was an, she, was a, she was an older lady who lived on her own in London, and uh, she took care of the dog, and we went on holiday once. We went on a holiday for, like, a week, and she took care of the dog. And then we got back, and she went, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're not taking the dog back, because <laughs> really, like, she was, like, really <laughs> begrudging about taking the dog, and then went, yeah, I mean, this dog's amazing. I've never lived with another thing. It's amazing. I love it, and then the dog lived like. And did your mom just say, "Oh, that's okay"? <laughs> yeah, what was she gonna say? What was she gonna say? Some poor old lonely relative goes, "Kind of keep the dog." Yeah, you can keep the dog, hundred um, percent. You that never got to meet of- my mom. My mom was properly the funniest person I've ever met. Like, j- was she? not in terms of kind of gags, not kind of what I do. Like, oh, I've written this joke and it's like a, a magic spell, and you will laugh when when I say it. Uh, like, she just organically had a f- was just funny was in a way she? that. Yeah, well, I think. I had a really interesting chat about mums the other day with Clang, Jim Carrey. Um, I'm such a big hitter. I just got back from this comedy <laughs> festival. But we had a chat about mothers. We were chatting about, because he said this beautiful thing on stage about how um, most comedians, you know, you, people talk about tears of a clown. People, yes, they people, do, Oh, yeah. hang on. Did she just do a poop? I think she oh, just did a poop. I'm going to run poop. in. Poop. Who um, did a poop? I really um, hope that's Marnie's poo. I'm pretty, pretty sure it is. I mean, I'm not being not being sort of specialist about this. It's definitely not my. Yeah, but it's
1: quite big. It looks like it could be sort of Greg Davis's poo.
0: Greg Davis is, <laughs> he's mainly an indoor man these days. <laughs> I'd say 90% of the time. Um, that might be it for Perfect. money. Perfect. So we're chatting about mothers and saying yeah, so that, that cliché about, about comedians. Like the tears of a clown, they're all depressed. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but I do think universally you could ask any comedian you know, oh, did you have a sick parent? Did you have a, a mother or a father that needed cheering up, either depressed or physically right, sick? Right. That's almost
1: 100%. Really?
0: Of like, oh, they needed cheering up, they needed, you needed to make it all right.
1: And that seems was to be true the... in your case then? Your mum was ill,
0: yeah. Yeah. And a bit depressed or whatever, you know. Yeah. Laterally. But just, you know, but comedy had, like that, was the way of kind of making everything's all right. If we're laughing, then everything's OK. And
1: was that your role in the family, do you think? As the person, you were the funny one?
0: I'm not sure whether I really had much of a... A role, not a kid. You know, I mean, no. one of the kids. <laughs> one of the kids. Try and keep quiet. Stay out the way.
1: Because I heard you talking. I listened to your desert island discs, and I absolutely
0: loved it. Well, that's what this show needs. Some records. Well, I know. I was going to say. I mean, I, we're walking a dog.
1: Saw Jimmy Carr. Uh, you chose uh, Beyonce as uh, crazy love. <laughs> I did. But no, I loved your Death
0: Cab for <laughs> uh, a Cutie. You make me good... sound
1: like Frankie Boyle. Yeah,
0: same, same. That's what I hear. Um. Yeah, the, the Beyonce was a really good choice because there was there's been an ongoing thing online for years about no one's chosen Beyonce for their desert island disc. No, oh, oh, look, Marnie's met B. someone. Marnie's met a dog. Look, no, 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 no. He's a nice boy. He's a nice boy. Nice or girls. Or girl? I'm not good with these things.
1: Yeah, you never know. If
0: that's a girl, she's got massive Ma- testicles. Marnie's
1: not too much of a fan of other dogs.
0: <clears throat> not huge. She's she's little. She's having a very nice time. She's a happy little creature.
1: You, yeah. You talk with such affection about your mum, and it seems to me that you had a really Lovely relationship
0: with her. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing as well. And it's that, um, God, I had a beautiful quote the other day, which I'd never heard before. I'm sure it's a very uh, a common thing. But the um, uh, grief is the price we pay for love. So that was a really beautiful way of sort of saying, actually, that kind of slight melancholy remembering is actually a lovely way of kind of reminding you how much someone meant to you. And how yeah. much that was kind of worth. Um, it's kind of a nice way of But do you think
1: also, you know, you were saying... Your mate Jim Carrey. Oh, well, I
0: mean, you just, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. No,
1: but you were referencing what your conversation with Jim Carrey, which I, I liked what you were talking about, because there's also, as lot as well as Tears of a Clown, there's another cliche, which is that sense of people who lose a parent at a slightly early age that's too early. And in your case, it was too early, I think, in your 20s, weren't you? So, do you think that sort of propels you and you know, people like, whether it's Madonna or Chris Evans, or I don't know, you know, those people often talk about how that that was the inciting incident in their life, if they've um, led a slightly unusual, a kind of extraordinary life.
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think you look for reasons, don't you? You, you look back and look for, um, I think you just sort of live your life and you make the choices that you make and you try and do the best that you can. And then you try and analyse it when you're being, when you're talking like this and you try and sort of find a pattern, you try and find something that kind of makes sense of it. I think often it's the case that we feel so sort of, it's such a privileged life. Right? What do I do for a living? I tell jokes to people that come out and want to spend a night with me, sort of, you know, telling them jokes. It's, yeah. it's a very sort of privileged position. And you kind of go, well, come on, Marnie.
1: Marnie! Marnie,
0: you can't smell everything. It's such a privileged position. You kind of look for a way of kind of taking ego out of it a little bit and going, oh, well, maybe it's because of that thing that happened early on that, may, that maybe that's what made yeah. me do it, rather than just going, well, I'm pretty terrific. <laughs> I suppose it was destined, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it can be certainly the catalyst. I think it's sort of the... I I I certainly think it kind of makes you, gives you a certain sort of independence or or sort of um, belief in what you know. Just got one life.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to put the poo in the bin. yeah, good idea. I mean, I lost people, but mine was more like a kind of Game of Thrones episode. It all happened very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it was really (laughs) one-two-three, bam. Even even
0: (laughs) even on Game of Thrones, they would have gone, that's a hell of an episode? That's a season finale." Um, It's it's an odd thing that.
1: Well, yeah, Definitely. because I think
0: it does change your, your perspective because it's... Um, I think death is, is something that we sort of spend... I mean, there's a lot of kind of... Talked about how, you know, sort of laughter and it's kind of the opposite of death. You know, sort of feeling alive. We spend so much time kind of avoiding that. Yeah. And then when, when it happens, it does change the way you think about everything because it's, it's obviously... It's the, always the elephant in the room.
1: Yeah. When you were sort of growing up, you had... After you went to Cambridge... Which was obviously kind of a big deal. Wow! Well, Even though you played down, first, I think of it.
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always I think like everyone that ever goes to those kind of places. I thought it was a, uh, an admin error.
1: Marnie's met. Is that a schnauzer? Uh, yeah,
0: she met a schnauzer, and I think think, think she's gonna f- him. <laughs> think she's gonna break him off a piece of this Kit Kat bar. <laughs> Come on, Marnie. Come on, get some. Get some. Is that no good-looking fella? This Not for the, you.
1: That's the worst piece of porn I've ever seen. Yeah. Come on, Marnie, did you um, like that schnauzer? Yeah, so what I mean by that is, like a lot of people don't know you went to Cambridge. going Skinner said, oh, I didn't know Jimmy went to Cambridge. Not yeah, in a, that thick
0: way. They've really tightened up the admin process now. They've really tightened it up since they went that never again. Um, but I don't, I don't think, think it's that big a deal. That I think there's like a... <clears throat> I read a brilliant thing that um, uh, J.K. Rowling wrote about this, about there being a statute of limitations on certain things in life and like going, and, and it sounds really harsh, but I think there's there's like, I'd say the age of 30. If you're still going on about an academic achievement after the age of 30, something's gone horribly wrong. Something's gone horribly wrong. What are you doing? What are you, oh, I've got a lot of A levels. Right, no, I mean, no one cares. You're 44. Get over it. Or, or the, and we've, you know, we've all got friends, we can name them now, that have never got over their academic achievements. You go, that's Just unless you're an academic, just enough. I mean, you're not Naomi Klein. Get over it. (laughs) You know, it's... it's, But also, I think there's a statute of limitations on the other thing that we're talking about, which is childhood trauma. I think that there comes... And it should be like a societal thing. If you go 25, you're 25, it's a big birthday, you get a cake, we're all going for (laughs) drinks, and anything that happened in your childhood, enough already. Enough. No matter how bad it was, you have to take responsibility now. That doesn't seem like an unreasonable thing. And I know that's really callous because some people do have the worst time but to what end it's no Mm. no good complaining about that beyond a certain point you want to kind of go well no you've got to do your own thing make your own life make this one better
1: there's one view that that's callous and then there's another one which i tend to subscribe to which is that you're sort of taking responsibility for your life aren't you and you're saying they don't have power over me anymore yeah yeah yeah. it's
0: a little bit christina aguilera thank you (laughs) it's a a little bit as a philosophy but i i view that as a good thing I think hell of a After voice that all girl. all you did to me. Yeah, hell of a voice. I love that quote. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what did they do to her?
0: I think they broke up with you.
1: I think they put her in Chaps. Did they? <laughs> Backless Chaps.
0: Backless Chaps. Yeah. That is a whoever. I don't know who. Obviously, it's the unsung heroes of pop. But whoever yeah. put Christina Aguilera in Backless Chaps, can we buy her a drink collectively? That was a, a good wonderful look, wasn't thing. It? I've moved so- on to Selena Gomez now. <laughs> You lo- Jimmy
1: loves Selena Gomez. Well,
0: that new track? Well, not the new track. This will be going out in a while. But the the track with the um, uh, it's got the line from uh, Psycho Killer by. Oh yeah, and it's just so catchy. I mean, that. so catchy. It's the crack cocaine of pop.
1: So is that in Jimmy's car when he's driving to one of his gigs? No, I just you know it's on it's on
0: occasionally that kind of thing. I like a little bit of well, I
1: like look, a Jimmy. bit of pop.
0: I've got quite Catholic taste in music. I like everything.
1: We should say we're in a leafy part of North London. Well, we're
0: just about to come to the top of uh, Primrose Hill, which yeah. is. I kind of, I find this view, I mean, I do like a view. Yeah. That's kind of my idea of sort of heaven is like somewhere nice for lunch and a nice view. That's kind of, I mean, it's like, it's sort of London in front of you and it kind of just feels like you can sort of take it all in. So, also, there's a I realise thing you have a here, long-term
1: like, partner, but do you come here often?
0: Um, yeah, I come down the park a lot, yeah. Yeah. Mainly at night. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I come, I come up here quite a lot. I really yeah. I sort of really like the feel of it because it feels very, it feels obviously it's the heart of London sort of Primrose Hill and it feels it's a beautiful area to live in but also because there's always loads of sort of tourists around it always feels quite sort of quite fun like there's quite a nice energy to that it always feels yeah. like kind of it's almost like you've kind of gone on holiday
1: yeah I know and then you if mean. you can
0: kind of stop from and, and sort of stop thinking about living here and sort of go well if you went anywhere else in the world and they showed you this you'd go wow it's pretty amazing
1: and it's other people enjoying London isn't it which is nice which is kind of a healthy reminder yeah, I think we look up sometimes.
0: I think I'm in London next week. I've got like sort of four days off in a row next week, which is kind of sort of unusual for me. And uh, I think we're just going to stay in London and try and do just fun stuff here, really? rather than rather than sort of fly somewhere and do fun stuff there, because it's kind of great, isn't it? I always kind of think whenever I drive past the zoo, I go, I never spend enough time in the zoo. I go out There's of my way when I'm going into London to London yeah. to drive past the bit where you can see the giraffes.
1: Actually, this is amazing. This view. I mean, I appreciate I've lived here a long time, but. I mean, you can't see this, of course, but take our word for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the worst thing that anyone's ever said in a podcast. <laughs> uh, next week, ballet. Um, but, you know, we've got the kind of the post office. Didn't we turn
1: around? We're going to have our picture taken. Aye,
0: oh, okay. Right, why do we have to go quiet for the picture?
1: <laughs> I don't know, why do I go I don't know, quiet? we have to go quiet for a yeah, picture. Yeah, but though, is Marnie you? in it? Can you see Marnie? Can you see Marnie in the picture? Hey, Marnie,
0: man. Marnie, man. look that way, that way. Yep, j- yep, just. Yeah, look at my balls. Cool.
1: So, yeah, so after Cambridge, <laughs> Jimmy...
0: Yeah, go on.
1: And you did political...
0: Social thing. and political science? You did political science. The potpourri of a degree, Yeah. I believe. The general general studies of a degree. <laughs> lot of lot of little things. Nothing nothing in depth. Um, but when
1: you decided to do that, was that with a view to... Did you think you'd go into politics or something?
0: No, 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 I didn't have... I mean, it was literally... I mean, I've sort of talked about this before, but yeah. I don't think, don't think I'd made a decision, really, in my life no. until I was about mid-20s. It was just like... Oh, shall I do A levels? Yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Shall I go to university? Yes, which one? Well, the best one I can get into, and then you know, and what course shall I do? The easiest course at the best place. I'm not an idiot, um, and you know, so that it really kind of didn't fit. And then why should I get a job? Well, I guess some blue chip big company. Is that what people do? Ma- no, money. You can't. You can't be on that. That's Moni. that's a man. That's a man's leg. This Stop way. it. <laughs> That is a man's leg.
1: It was a lamppost-coloured leg, he's not, to be fair. That's he's, not
0: gonna, he's not going to hit you, is he, Marnie? <laughs> um, people are sunbathing. It is not warm enough to sunbathe. No,
1: no but they're enjoying themselves, look. They
0: are enjoying themselves. The it's like time. a
1: Shura painting.
0: I always think, it's, I always think sort of, this time of year, um, it's kind of a wonderful time to feel more... I mean, I don't mean this to sound callous, but the rest of the year, you pass homeless people in the park drinking at 10 in the morning and, and think, oh... Where did, you know, why did their life go wrong that's terrible mm. this time of year you sort of go oh yeah
1: that's
0: a pretty good idea we should get some cans <laughs> do you need some weird things yeah, no when the mean, sun comes out you ins- kind of go yeah. yeah outdoor drinking yeah let's
1: Yes, you're you're right. Actually, it's more kind of inspiring outdoor life. Outdoor life no. doesn't become out, it's not necessity.
0: It's a choice. A couple of guys. He's got he's got a Stella. He's got Cronenberg. No, no special brew. They haven't they haven't gone to the special brew level yet. You know the story on special brew. Yeah, but
1: he's you know the, special
2: brew? know the
0: story on special brew. No, go on. It was made for Churchill. Is that right. Yeah, so Churchill uh, you know the Danes after the war went Churchill look thanks awfully we never liked those nazis. Uh, what can we do for you? We're going to brew you a beer. And obviously then <laughs> Churchill's people went, yeah, don't brew him a beer because he's actually he, actually he's, he's an alcoholic. He likes drinking beer. He's no interest <laughs> at all. So women and children as far as Churchill's concerned. Uh, and then they went, well what if we made you like a ludicrously powerful beer and they went, have Is a dart that it. Made for him, have then? a darted it and they made special brew. And for him, like, presented him with a can. I'm sure he shotgunned it.
1: I can't imagine
0: Churchill with a special brew. I can. I can Can imagine him in the park. Of course, you know the other great park story about Churchill, which was during the war, one of the... um, uh, A minister was caught in flagrante in the park. Yeah. I think in, in like, Westminster or, like, Green Park or something, there was, like, a cottaging toilet. So a gay member of Parliament during the war, though, part of the coalition government was caught by police officers in the park toilets with another gentleman. Uh, and uh, or in, in, in the park actually just outdoors in yeah. the park um, with another gentleman and obviously they went it's wartime they're not going to arrest the guy whatever it's a matter of you know national interest so they um, they went to Churchill you know gets woken up early and, and uh, you know in the morning the briefing well this minister has been you know uh, and uh, and his reaction was to say what what, uh, what temperature was it last night I so, said minus four sir ah, makes you proud to be British <laughs> Such a lovely. leap that lady's legs alone. I like alone. that
1: reaction. I like yeah. to think that would have been your reaction. I think, you been that, in I think
0: that would have been. You know, well, of course, we sort of. You know, obviously, all the. It's kind of the anniversary of that recently. The all the, all those kind of laws. Yeah. You know, their the decriminalisation, but it was still like a stigma for many yeah, many years being was, gay. But yeah. it feels like there was like it must have been a case in society where people, you know, knew there was that was always a yeah. that was always a thing. There must have. Well, that's hey, the thing. Hey, hey. I suppose you just. Have you had enough? You're in a kerfuffle. Yeah. She's I would say she's a bad bad walker.
1: I think she's doing pretty well actually. Is she doing alright?
0: She kind of stops dead every now and then. Look at the size of those dogs. <gasps> if one of those wants those. to eat you, you are you are no more than a snack, Marnie.
1: Oh my god, they're huge! Yeah. What are hey.
0: they, Timmy? What are they? I d I don't know. And whatever.
1: Again, this isn't very interesting for you, but they're, whatever, they're big, whatever, whatever—a cross
0: between <laughs> a uh, a dog and a horse. They look like,
1: That's essentially what they, they kinda, are. they look
0: a slightly bovine. <laughs> hey, dude, what kind of dogs are those?
2: <laughs>
0: a, an, an American bulldog and a French mastiff. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I don't know who sold you them, but they're the same. You know that, right? <laughs> you know they're both the same.
2: They're both rescues.
0: They're both Are rescues. They're rescues. Okay, oh, yeah, right. I got I got mine's a rescue but uh, from a burning building, like actually a rescue. <laughs> actually, and it was pretty dangerous. I don't want to wow. make a big deal, but it was I'm, I'm basically a hero. We better get away before one yeah. of your dogs.
1: Nice to meet you.
0: okay, the take care. they're beautiful, aren't they? Oh, they're beautiful. lovely
1: dogs. I bet they eat a lot though.
0: <coughs> Mainly children. of course. Just the only thing gorgeous looking creatures.
1: Um but obviously that's that's fascinating to people and it's interesting how you had that life change, which you did. Your life was going in one direction, really, wasn't it? Well, I think
0: I think there's a weird thing where people, uh, well, certainly I thought, that unless you went to drama school or were somehow in a family that did comedy or something, you couldn't be a comedian. I, did, I had no conception of how does that happen? Yeah. How do you become the person that tells the jokes for a living? But I think that life change thing's quite, it's quite nice when you chat to people that have... You know, just left college yeah, and they're kind of doing something and they go right I'm being a lawyer and that's going to be it now I'm a lawyer for life and you kind of go I don't know whether it works like that anymore I don't know whether I mean some, for some people it does but yeah. m- mostly people kind of go well they do a bunch of different things and-,
1: and did you feel once you'd made the decision which was it just a case of waking up one morning thinking
0: oh no, no I think to- it's a, it's quite a long I mean I think it's really about not depression but sadness it's about feeling like um, you, you kind of you don't like your life Mm. which isn't sort of, I think a lot of people, you know, is a very, it's a horrible thing and I haven't really suffered with depression, I'm very lucky, I think. Um, but oh, we've just seen a chua ho ho which I believe, chua. go on, eat it, eat it. Come on, money, you can <laughs> eat that. It's a little Snickle snack. I mean, very it's a beautiful dog. dog. <laughs>
1: it's, lovely. it's very cute.
0: Oh, no, don't eat it, don't eat it, or do eat it. Do what? eat it. I don't think you're going to eat it.
1: Oh, is that a puppy? Yeah. Yeah. Is he a puppy? Oh, puppy. How old?
0: Four, oh, months. four months. Four months. Okay. Is
1: he a teacup, though? Yeah. Yeah, he's
0: lovely. It's a big cup of tea, isn't it? I mean, it's a tiny dog, but it's a big cup of tea. That's it's probably too much tree. tea. <laughs> you need four sugars in that. Oh, 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 yeah. That is adorable.
1: It's so gorgeous.
0: Yeah. Oh. Hello. And, oh, no, it's fierce. <laughs> it's, taken, it's taken Em's finger off. She's been very brave. Um, you know when people say, oh, your eyes are bigger than your belly? Yeah. On that dog, actually the case. <laughs>
1: So lovely to meet you, and good work on the shoe uh, on the shoes you're wearing for the dog. Yeah, walk. that is a <laughs> very strong,
0: very strong shoe game. This
1: lady's got.
0: I think miumius. The
1: bootans or yeah, miumius? Yeah. Oh, gee. Huh? you got it right. I'm so proud. I know. Not no,
0: <laughs> not even gay, but I'm good with shoes. Mm. Well, lovely look. Good to meet luck. You. Good luck with the teacup.
1: Lovely shoes and dog. Thank you in that order. That's a nice chihuahua interlude. I know, I'm so sorry, the
0: embarrassment. You're the worst. You
1: are the worst. (laughs) It's like being with...
0: The interview ends now.
1: (laughs) It's like Mean Girls. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you you were saying, I think that's interesting. So you were saying, actually, you just, that's what propels you. You're thinking, oh, I could be happier than this. Is that what it's like? Yeah, I think so.
0: I think you've got a sort of, not a rock bottom, but you have to kind of... um, I always really like that quote, the good is the enemy of the best. The idea that you go, like, if your life's all right, and you've got quite... I had quite a good job. Uh, and, you know, John Bishop and I have sort of spoken about this because he had a good job. Like, you know, if you've got a good job, it's tough to leave. If you work in a, a you know, a call centre and you hate it, then it can, be, it can be easier to kind of take the leap because you go, wow, well, I've got to do something. Mm. Whereas if you've got quite a good one and you can see your boss's life is quite good and you could have that in five years. Yeah. Yeah, that thing of kind of going, you have to do something better. You have to kind of, and maybe the death thing as well kind of comes mm. into that because you go, you've got one life. What are you doing? What are
1: you doing? Yeah. what are you
0: doing? If you're not having fun, what's the... what's What's it for?
1: And did you think there was, a, there was a point where you thought, I might be the funniest man in the office? That's what's going to happen to me.
0: Uh, not so much. Not that Because actually I was so kind of down when I worked, I wasn't really that fun in the office. I think I was just kind of, oh, God, we've got to do more of this. Really? Um, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, and it wasn't a bad job, wasn't a bad office, wasn't a bad, you know, wasn't a bad place to be. Um, and people were very supportive. I remember I had a really nice boss at one stage called Mike Harl. Who was just very encouraging, and I, I sort of I thought, well, I want to leave this job, and I went and got a job with some consultancy firm, Boston Consulting or whatever. I was going and having an interview with, and and went to the interview, and he went, What are you doing? know that's just that's the same job somewhere else. What are you doing? You go go and yeah. do something else. Go do something well, look, else. This isn't for you. In the nicest possible way, it wasn't being you know.
1: You know, it's interesting what you're saying. That when I interviewed Alan Carr, he was saying he worked in a factory. You know that idea that you're either a transmitter, basically, or a receiver? So you're someone who likes to communicate. I
0: think you've misunderstood the conversation with Alan. I th- it feels to me like he was explaining some an intimate detail of his life to you <laughs> and you've gone, oh, you're either a transmitter or a receiver. And you go, yes, yes, we understand how tops and bottoms works.
1: Was he trying to involve me in something? I think he was like, trying to, yeah,
0: you hold this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but
1: you know what I mean? It's not, I see what you're saying, I suppose, is you're not saying, oh, people that do jobs like that, how can you? It's just that sense of no, I think that it's wasn't a, right uh, for you. That didn't feel like you it's were also, living also some people Some
0: people are like, uh, you know, I think I've got a lot of friends that kind of have jobs that are they they work to live yeah not live to work you know yeah. m- and my th- i'm very um, you know when i talk about having a you know privileged position i do something that i love for a living and i suppose you know you could you could say oh well, you probably work too much but you sort of go well, yeah but work is more fun than fun yeah there's nothing more fun than what i do for a job so it's it's a it's a kind of false read i suppose you
1: seem i think you're a really happy person Like I think you've got a happy disposition.
0: Yeah, I'm good at at knowing what makes me happy. That seems to be the interesting question. Like if you ask anyone anything, like the um, what do you want? Fundamentally, the most important question is what do you want? And if you can answer that, getting it comparatively easy, knowing what makes you happy is actually the tough thing. You know, in that way that people kind of go, well, you know, I want to buy, I want a Ferrari. You go, well, I do you though what you actually want is excitement or you want the admiration of others or you want to feel self-confident or, you know, whatever those things. If you can get to kind of that base level of knowing what you want then... And I think that's, you know, not to be too objectivism and Aang Rand. I think it's, it's it, that, that personal responsibility for your happiness is all you can have. You can never really be responsible for anyone else's happiness.
1: And so what do you want?
0: Hmm? What do you want? Well, I mean, this life's pretty good. This, the, you know, the life of a... I like the life of a comedian. I think the, I think the idea of success is... You get a false read on what that is because people sort of think it's being on telly or being um, getting a Hollywood deal or stuff, and it's actually the first time you get paid to say funny things at a club right. that's when you made it that's that's it as long as you can you know pay for your life with that then that's a joy but that's then, everything
1: do you think also you you differ from a, some people in that the intention I never felt for you was I will get on TV by any means necessary. It was, I want to make people laugh. You know, I feel like being a gig in seems to be your driving force rather than...
0: Well, I, I suppose the reason I work the way I work is because it's ultimately the telly thing is someone else's decision. Right. And at some point you have to be gracious when someone comes along and says, that's not you anymore. We've got some new people and they're younger and they're funnier and we prefer them. And you're yesterday's news. And, you know, at some point that phone call comes or that, I mean, it gradually comes, hopefully, and you transition into something a little bit different. But no one stays at the top of their game forever. No one stays kind of doing those shows. Well, I think that's, you know, it's inevitable. But the the stand-up thing, if you build an audience and you're good to them and you do funny shows, then hopefully they keep coming back and you you get to kind of sustain that. And and even if the audiences get smaller, play smaller places. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, don't have an ego about it. Just go out (laughs) and, well, these people turned up. Come on.
1: But you've got to the stage now where you're so established and you've got such a big fan base, presumably, that you'll always have people come to see your show, won't you?
0: Yeah, I think so. But I mean, in the same way as those kind of old school comics, you know, all, you know, always had that, that thing, you know. So if you look at someone like, I don't know, you know, Jethro, it's like an old school comic that's never been on telly, but still does his thing, still plays the gigs that he used to play, might not be as big as it used to be, but it's still, you know, it's still a thing, still a great job. Mm. And there's something about the the adrenaline or the, the high of being on stage, the fun of making people laugh, that's just, you can't, I mean, you, you kind of can't beat that.
1: I think um, you, in, you enjoy fame. I mean, in the sense that there are some people I know who are really privileged, you know, and have great lives and have achieved everything they want to, but it's like it seems sometimes to make them quite unhappy. And I've never really had that sense with you, and I wonder why that is. I think it's
0: a very, you know what, I've got a very comfortable level of, um, fame and it's uh, you know and again you know, you have to realise how lucky you are because a lot of people want to be famous I think it's kind of a there's an argument to say it's a natural state because we, you know for hundreds of thousands of years humans lived in groups of what about 60 and we all knew each other yeah. and seeing a stranger would have been the unusual thing you know, that would have, been the, the, it would have been out of the ordinary. Whereas we're yeah. walking through a park and just nothing but strangers. Yeah. And weirdly, I get a thing where I'm recognised by a lot of people and it's, it's a you're nice You're not little, strangers to these people, But people don't, people, I mean, yeah. even when we walk around the park, I've been recognised by, I don't know, 30 or 40 people. But no one you know, no one comes up. People just, all right. It's like, I mean, partly that's a London thing of like, oh, whatever. Um, and partly I'm not that... You're not that big a deal as a comedian. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm. I just mean that everyone's got a sense of humour. No one thinks they're bad at sex and no one thinks they don't have a sense of (laughs) humour. No one. Everyone thinks, oh, I'm all right, I'm all I'm all right. So everyone's got their sense of humour, so it's right for them. So if you make someone laugh, it's sort of the closest you can get as a celebrity to being someone's friend. Whereas a singer or an actor, they're on a pedestal. You can never do that. You hear Adele's voice. You go, well, no, never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to sing like she sings. It's a siren call. Or you see an actor do something that's just extraordinary. You kind of go, oh, my God, they're in your favourite film and it means so much to you. Whereas when you hear me make a joke, you go, yeah, we've all told jokes. Here's one for you. The amount of people that come up and tell you their joke.
1: Do they? Yeah, it's nice. Do you like it when people do that? (laughs) Of course. Yeah.
0: I mean, it also, the thing I like most is that the um, almost the Pavlovian response that you will work dogs in somehow. Um, The Pavlovian (laughs) response you get for...
1: Such a pro.
0: (coughs) For people, when people go, they come up to you and a newsagent buying a, you know, a a can of something and and they go, um, and they go, all right, how are you? Kind of a, and there's kind of a laughter, but you haven't said anything. It's just they've kind of remembered, oh, you're the funny guy from the show that we watch.
1: Well, in the, in the, the numbskulls of their mind, they've stored you away in the department marked funny, haven't they? Yeah. So, yeah. But you, it's interesting, because your comedy is, is quite distinct from your personal life, isn't it? I think there's a real, it's not, because you don't do observation comedy well, it's, yeah, in it's the a traditional it's a, sense. You do It's very unusual gags. in
0: this day and age, because yeah. it's, I tell jokes. Yeah. It's very old-fashioned. I mean, in a way, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of corny. or, or it's, it's, very, it's very exposing as a, as a sort of method of doing comedy. Why? Because, well, because if you talk about your life, even if there's no punchline there, it's quite interesting. So if you get a good observational comic, even if they just tell you a story about how how their life made them feel, it's like, well, that's that's the interesting bit. There's a brilliant American comic called um, Neil Brennan. Yeah. Do you know him? He did a show called Three Mics, which is on Netflix.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: yeah. Three Mics, it's a, a genius idea for a show. So basically, one of the mics is one-liners. Yeah. One of the mics is stand-up, and one of the mics is the truth. And I'd recommend you watch it. It's really interesting. Yeah. But you watch I the hour. I've heard of that. That's and and at the end of it, you kind of go. No, just, just be on the truth, Mike. <laughs> just be on the truth. Don't worry about the jokes. Just tell us what happened with your dad. That's the thing. Exactly. And, but it's, it's interesting when you see the, the, the three together. You go, the difference, and I just do the one-liners. Just the one-liners, just the jokes, just the... I remember seeing a comic many, many years ago on stage he just went, I'll start off with some jokes. And he told ten jokes in a row, just one-liners in a row. Yeah. And I remember really clearly thinking, that should be the whole show. That should be the whole thing. There's no fat on that. You're just making people laugh. And then they get into this kind of an altered state of just like going, washing over them and like, you know, enjoying the jokes and liking the phrasing. And that's what I would want to see as a punter. But you know, sometimes, I mean, the grass is always green. You sort of watch someone do a brilliant observational piece and think, oh, wow, that's really touching and beautiful.
1: Does something really hilarious ever happen to you? And you think, oh, that would be, maybe I'll do my show this year like this. What, and, I'll just and, and do an hour build it long around the story.
0: yeah. No, I've got some kind of notes on things that I think, oh, maybe I could do that as a bit of a show at some stage. But I almost feel like that would be, be a great gear to find later. Like at the moment, I've got the energy and I write a lot and I'm, I'm sort of doing this best of tour at the moment, which uh, is almost yeah. like having a sabbatical. I'm knocking out the hits like a rock band. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing because, I mean, the first night was so nerve-wracking because yeah. I thought, this is either going to work yeah. and I booked two years of gigs... It's either gonna work or it isn't. And if it isn't, I don't know what the f- can I do.
1: <laughs> so it's just two years this tour then. And it's your bet and it's your best of.
0: So presumably It's like I've done like nine or nine specials, close to sort of twelve hours of material. Mm. And I just picked my favourite sort of ten minutes out of each ser- show, my favourite jokes. Yeah. And then wrote other bits for them around them and there's a few little sort of new bits in there. But basically it's kind of telling those again, but I'm kind of amazed at the response it gets because people because of the volume of jokes I tell in an hour mm. they don't kind of acknowledge or somehow they haven't registered that they know the joke
1: That's interesting Because that you forget yeah.
0: almost instantly I think you just remember the laughter you don't remember the line Yeah so much so it's not like I don't know, Monty Python doing the... you Because know, my jokes aren't that famous. There is not that like... sense
1: of comics becoming stars.
0: I think we had a few moments where I think there's... I mean, my, my opinion is kind of there's there's comedians that you go to see and there's comedians you go to listen to. And I think someone like a, you know, Peter Kay or Michael McIntyre, I think are kind of... Good comedians get laughs, great comedians get love. I think people go and see them and they love them. They just want to be in the room with them. They want to. It's almost kind of worshipping. It's almost like... Even if they were saying stuff they'd said a million times before, they just, they find them just, it's like a friendship. They're a wonderful presence. And then there's people you go to, you know, I think I've got a different thing where people come and they go, I'm just gonna. obviously they're coming to it's laugh at their jokes work, as well. I'm not like denigrating <laughs> yeah. those guys. Like they're coming to listen to the jokes as well, but there's, a, there's another factor. So I think they can carry off an arena and yeah. be like, and that rock star thing. Whereas I think me in an arena would just be a bit like, oh, we're a long way away, aren't we? <laughs> or hang on, I told him to <laughs> off and he didn't hear me. It's terrible
1: <laughs> Little jimmy you're very well known as well aren't you for your ability to kind of take down hecklers
0: oh god i had a great one last night crazy what was that just someone proper crazy proper crazy in the front row but there's always you know you can always kind of find a fun way of doing it and i'm always very conscious of are they drunk or are they do they have an issue is there something going on there
1: isn't that the isn't that just the equivalent of the, per- the troll on twitter saying i will be heard
0: I suppose, I mean, I always think it's quite um, you know, well-meaning. I always think like anyone that shouts out in a club, it's quite well-meaning, they want to be part of the show, or they want to be up there. Yeah. Maybe they're a frustrated performer, or they want to do something, so you let them. Great. And ultimately, it's like it, it, there's no lose with hecklers. I think people worry about being heckled and made to look like a fool, but they've paid to see you, you know, beyond a certain level. You kind of go, well, you can't go wrong with this, can you?
1: Do you think great when that happens?
0: Yeah, it's got someone else taking the strain. Someone and if they get a brilliant laugh, and, you know, if they say something genius, you kind of go, well, all right, it's a big laugh. Yeah. I'm not splitting the money with you. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck on everything. But Thanks again, that.
1: that's a very... Um, let's go down here and then we can get a drink, cause I'm quite thirsty. We could take But again, Jimmy, that's a very... Oh. What
0: happened? I'm no? getting just the... I just oh, it's just a, a wee. wee, okay. Just a wee. That's Marnie just doing a wee.
1: Again, that's a very glass half full approach, which I think you have so when you're feeling more you must Five have minutes. sad moments sometimes when jimmy sad moments um, When? what do you what do okay you... when did you last cry
0: um oh god i'm trying to think uh probably yesterday
1: Why? i went to see
0: dunkirk uh and i cried at the end of dunkirk like like properly streaming it turns out we won the war i googled it Oof, that was close yeah, you know, I'm quite, you know, I think that's an absolutely legitimate thing as well. Yeah. You, kind of, you watch that and kind of go, oh God, our generation, what have we done? What have we got to grumble about?
1: But that's a nice cry, isn't it? Like yeah, it's a movie a, it's and a, stuff. well, it's
0: also that kind of thing of you you have sort of the admiration for not even the, even those individuals, but that generation of, like, yeah. what? Wow. Total war. I can't imagine, like, total war now would be, like, if you tell people they couldn't charge their phones, they go, well... I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. What do the Nazis <laughs> say about phone charging?
1: Well, that would be the reason for draft dodging. I can't... Oh, my God, I can't even get reception out there. Yeah. I can't believe it. What do
0: you mean it's top secret? I've got it on Facebook. <laughs> I've got, It's a private Facebook.
1: It's encrypted, though. I thought it was OK. Yeah, no,
0: it's on Snapchat. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's Honestly, fine. don't worry about it.
1: Oh, there's the chihuahua, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Oh, I really yeah. like that chihuahua. Oh,
0: again, hey. Should we go back to ask for something to drink? Yeah, that shall we? Let's wander down here. On.
1: So, um... I'm really lucky because I get invited to your parties, which are incredible. You're like a modern-day Gatsby, Jimmy. I am. How do you feel about that I am comparison? a modern-day Gats- Gatsby.
0: <laughs> um, I met a guy once who claimed he was related to uh, the Great Gatsby, <laughs> genuinely, claimed he was related to the Great Gatsby, and I went, I went, uh, that's a fictional character, and he went, it was based on my grandfather. Was it? and then he and then and then he's. it turned out his grandfather had killed the pope so it was a wow. I, I met a madman um yeah i don't i like having a party i think it's a really nice there's nothing yeah. nicer than hosting yeah. and having people over and kind of you know the largesse of hey come over and let's let's you know celebrate
1: yeah but what i love about your parties is that it's not just like any other party because you walk into a room and then there's Stephen Hawking in one room and then in another room there's sort of the killers and then you go outside and then there's two people playing tennis who both won Wimbledon and it is quite strange
0: I've got an odd, an odd group of friends I'm not you know I think it sounds, sounds there's a lot of old school friends as well and kind of yeah uh you know regular folk but yeah I suppose you that's one of the great things about you know the life of show business is you get to meet interesting people and you'd be crazy not to yeah you know be I'm, I'm, I'm always kind of a little bit I'm still very sort of starstruck when I meet people and very kind are of... Are you? Yeah, I really like it. I really sort of... I don't know if starstruck's the right term, but it just seems like a wonderful thing when you meet people that do interesting things and have got a great story. You kind of, well, yeah, of course, yeah.
1: Celebrating it, yeah. in a way.
0: Well, I, don't, I just think that There'd be nothing worth than being sort of jaded about it and going, oh, yeah, whatever.
1: And your friends, I get the impression, are really important to you.
0: I really like it. I really like that sort of that thing of the... I think that's why jokes kind of are almost like a currency of male friendship. I think women are much better... Uh, you know, th- there's a much higher um, sort of average emotional intelligence with women than there is with men. I think a lot of men have got a slight arrested development when it comes to sort of sharing and opening up. And I think jokes are a way of kind of you know, talking about sport is another one, but, t- you know, talking, yeah. you know, t- making someone laugh is a way of saying, I like you and I-, I hope that you like me too. Yes, and that's so true. We're in this uh, space together. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people just, hey, here's one for you. It's kind of a nice, Yeah. It's a, it's a nice thing. I think sometimes you give people the uh, the ammunition for that. I really like that sort of sense that sometimes people, like fathers and sons, will come to the gig and kind of you feel like, oh yeah, just sort of having a laugh together. This yeah. is their thing. It's not mum's thing, it's their thing. They like well this. it is
1: that need to share it, isn't it? Which you really get with comedy. I and think often you sometimes not with get it with drama. a brilliant
0: joke. You yeah, get like, the, yeah. wow, that's an incredible thing.
1: Although I feel tense when someone says I've got a great joke. I think just tell it. I feel real pressure. I feel you're putting pressure on me now. I mean,
0: I've started doing a thing now, where just to sort of make it interesting for me, of going, tell me the setup. I'll do the punchline. <laughs> I'll do the punchline, i do this for a living. And honestly, worst case scenario, it'll take me 20 seconds to work it out, but they you know. Because people tell me like pub jokes and I just, I know the punchlines, because... Oh, okay, I, I mean, see. I, I found that if you tell someone, oh, I've heard it, you can slow them down, right. but you can never stop them.
1: Yes. If, you, if someone's
0: halfway through a joke so and you go, oh, I've actually heard this, they go, oh, well, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard because the ending is a twist. You go, yeah, it's a fucking joke. I know it. I, I know. I know this one. My favourite thing is getting told back, and I, I got this on email the other day from yeah. a friend who sent me one of my jokes. We were exchanging jokes on email because I was trying to cheer him up, and uh, he sent me one of my jokes back, which I just thought was. I didn't say anything because it would be a, a dick that's... move, but it's like the nicest possible thing. Yeah. Oh, you'll like this. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. Did you
1: not say actually? No. Well, said, that's a good. Well, that you didn't actually,
0: actually, <laughs> actually, that's one of mine. <laughs> yeah. No, I should have said that. Great move. So
1: Jimmy, I also wanted to say, you give very good advice. And what I like about the advice you give, I find, is it's very practical, because you're quite a pragmatic person.
0: Well, so do I give good practical advice? Yeah, I'm you do. you? Yeah. No, I
1: don't mean like my car's broken down. Yeah. You'll just <laughs> you say, well. Wow.
0: Yeah, that fix, love. Um, I think there's, a, a lot of people don't listen very well. You know, I think when a friend comes to you with a problem, they invariably know the answer, right. and they're just checking. They're just kind of double-checking their logic. <laughs> That's an amusing looking dog. That look, it's basically a cartoon dog. We've just passed a dog that's made of scribble. It was drawn Scribble by, dog? Yeah, it was sort of drawn by a child and then brought to life somehow by magic. That is a scribble I love dog. Scribble dog. There's, no, there's nothing you know, better to be than you know, a foul-weather friend. You know, If someone's going through something, it's good to be the person that calls.
1: You always say you realise that with always things called. that you've Even gone through. Even if you through. don't know
0: what to say. Even if you sort of go, oh, I don't know, do I know him well enough? Do I know him well enough to go and visit? Well, he's definitely dying of something, so go. Go, don't feel awkward. If you do feel awkward, just go. I feel a bit awkward, but I thought I'd come and say.
1: And you learn Oh, do you think this is all right with these? What are these characters uh, like? They're-
0: yeah, uh, they might eat my dog. I've got other might- dogs. We've been through be this. all right. Fine, well, I'm right, good.
1: I'm interested in what you think of this, because I- you-, you were kind of a late developer. That's not unkind.
0: No, you? no, I think that's fine. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 26. That's, fr- that's very late in this sort of day and age.
1: And that meant, why was that, do you think?
0: I don't know, I think I was quite sort of repressed um, emotionally, a little kind of block on that. I was quite a religious kind of person. I sort of had you know, some faith and stuff, and I kind of, I don't know, I think I had sort of maybe grand romantic ideals. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, it's difficult to kind of to pinpoint. And I, I kind of, in a way, not to, be, not to dismiss the question, but yeah. I sort of think it doesn't matter. I kind of think you could spend your life in Freudian therapy analysing why. doesn't matter. Just what you're doing now? How how you what you know? What's the ne- what's the future? Mm. We spend a lot of our time in the in in the present or in the future, and there's only kind of right now, and trying to be in that. So don't try and out- overanalyze it. My God, I'm an amazing looking greyhound. It's
1: incredible. A whip it. A whip it. All right. It's a. a t-
0: it's a. It's a whip it. Well, yeah. That is a. That's a great color. Yeah. That, that should really live in my front room. That would go. With, that would go with everything.
1: It really would. Yeah. It's good for your colour um,
0: Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. What was I wittering on about?
1: You were just saying that you don't think it's relevant, essentially, well, that you lost your virginity late.
0: I think, I, think it's an, I think it's a nice thing to discuss. I know it sounds sort of a bit self-aggrandising. I think it's a, nice <laughs> thing, it's a nice thing to discuss because I think someone listening to this who's 22 and hasn't done that and feels like, oh, life's passing me by, I, sp- I think especially now the fear of missing out in society or the fear of everything's happening somewhere else to someone else. And if, you, if you're not a billionaire by the time you're 21 like Justin Bieber somehow life's rubbish, it's like, I didn't really have to deal with that as a child, I sort of grew, grew up in Slough, in quite, what I thought was a very nice place, with nice people, I, I didn't sort of feel like I was missing out on anything, because I wasn't aware that there was anything better than that.
2: Mm, mm. Now
0: it feels like it's, it's very unfair on, you know, children growing up, because they, they get to see everything else, they get to see like, you know, these, you know, Sweet Sixteen shows on MTV where people get bought yeah. Lamborghinis, and you kind of go, oh right, that looks... Oh, yeah. That's good. Where's, yeah. where's that going on?
1: Yeah, so it encourages the feeling of dissatisfaction with your own. I think or life, a little bit of it. kind of
0: alienation or whatever, you know, kind of feeling like there's a there's a better. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that makes you strive for more things. Maybe that's not a, not so terrible. But it strikes me that that kind of material kind of worship is is kind of a bit. I don't know. I think social media is kind of it's it's amazing in so many ways. It's, you know it's given everyone a voice, everyone an opinion. Mm. But it's it's also very sort of dangerous as well because you go well, there's no. This uh, The post-fact world that we live in is a product of that, where everyone's opinion is as valid as everyone else's opinion. Yeah. And it used to be, no, no, but just like an expert on the news. He's an expert. Yeah. He's got a degree in that. Yeah. He's like, he, he's a doctor. Listen to him. And then someone else goes, no, actually, I think MMR, I think, probably gives you something else. You, yeah. you don't know anything about it.
1: And it's weird, that whole notion of having a trusted news source as well, which obviously that's all kind of collapsed a bit as well.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, and I think that, you know, for me, it's the the most sort of, uh, I mean, I sort of don't mind that for me as much as the teenage thing of going, mm. you know, the, the idea that you're on Instagram and Twitter and everything else, and it feels like your life is sort of, you know, being judged against everyone else's very early on.
1: Mm. Mm. But you didn't, when you were growing up then, I think you were probably just thinking, I don't know, but... Like you didn't feel that pressure, did you? So when you went to Cambridge, did you? Were you kind of sociable? Were you going out a lot? Yeah, were you, yeah.
0: Drinking quite a lot, I think. Yeah, you know, kind of college yeah. was it was mainly around booze, like in a in a way that wasn't entirely healthy.
1: Mm.
0: I've got quite a non-addictive personality, so I think. Have like, you? Yeah, I'm not very good at. I mean, I'm quite good at sort of. Life. I don't need to. I didn't drink for about twelve years when I started doing comedy. Not out of any great. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't properly teetotal. Was teetotal for probably about eight. But it it wasn't out of any kind of, I need to give up booze because I'm drinking too much. It was just like, well, I can't be hungover tomorrow because I want to write jokes Mm. or learn how to write jokes. And then I can't be drunk tonight because I'm on stage and then I've got to drive back. And it was was almost a kind of a practical thing. And it was also, I was drinking, I think, not at college, but after college, I think was about kind of sort of cheering myself up a little bit or like drinking for the wrong reasons. Like trying to recapture the college years. Yeah, that's an odd phase of life that no one really <laughs> talks about. Post college, trying to keep that going.
1: Well, yeah, that's a bit of a depressing three or four years, isn't it? Like
0: well you sort of go, yeah. Because I remember <laughs> chatting to my friend Rufus, who's you know wise beyond his years, sort of like my first job, going, oh god, I feel a bit, feel a bit down. Feel, this is rubbish. He went, he went, yeah, this you've never worked before. <laughs> Shit, isn't it? You get up at six in the morning and you get home at eight and you're exhausted <laughs> and then you have to do it again. It's rubbish. College was easy, wasn't it?
1: But, you've, but I like that you've sort of made that distinction between clinical depression, in a way, and environmental
0: dissatisfaction. Sadness, yeah, sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing in our society. There's, so much, there's virtually no stigma to saying I'm depressed. There's almost a bit of a glamour to it. Like, oh, I'm depressed and I'm suffering from this. Like, not, not to, not to you know, of course, no. put it down, but it's a very serious thing. But, but, but sadness, there's a real stigma to that. Oh, I'm just really sad. You know, so I I'm, haven't I'm, 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 I'm got a girlfriend and my job's boring. It's a real, oh, and there's a real stigma to that. Uh, but I think actually there's, there's something about facing up to that and acceptance that kind of drives the next step. That's a really... Yeah. Like accepting what is rather than how you want things to be. Accepting what is and then moving on to the next thing seems to be a really good...
1: Living in the present, that's what yeah. they say. So, But my larger point as well, I've got this theory, because you know when people say, well, the great thing is he's sowing his wild oats, he's getting it all out of his system. My theory on that is it's a bit like saying... It's great that you start smoking. You'll get it all out of your system. You'll never want to do it again. It's like injecting heroin. Just do it, and then you'll just give it up, and you'll never get a sense of, oh, I wish I could do that again. I think the problem is, once you start, it's you just think, oh, okay, I'd like to do that again. So what I'm saying is, I think you did the right thing. Like, what would you, in your dotage, in your later years, are you yeah. going to be... Would you like to be doing, like, a, a light ent show? Would you like to be... Still kicking.
0: I think it's. I'll come back to my uh, my earlier point on this. I think it's whatever I do, I'll post-rationalise and go. Yeah, I always thought I would end up. <laughs> yeah. you know, But but it's um, <laughs> but it's never, it's never really the case. I mean, yeah. I think it's you. You know, if I got offered, you know, in ten years' time, if I got offered the One Show, I sort of think the One Show is the best job on British television. Do you? I know it's a weird thing, but it's it, because it doesn't seem like the most glamorous, Because thing. But you go every. Basically, you're doing an interview show with everyone. Everyone comes through that door and you get to meet everyone and it's an easy gig and it's fun. Yeah. And it's like, there's no pressure to be hilarious on it, but it's kind of light-hearted. It's a lovely, you know, it's a nice gig.
1: But I can see you carrying on doing comedy forever, pretty much. You know.
0: Well, it's an odd thing, though. I sort of, there's a... When I say comedy, I mean
1: doing, you know, gigging. There's a
0: bit of, yeah, I think I would try and do that. But there's a bit of me that, that goes... I, I kind of have quite a dark sense of humor and you kind of <laughs> want to be authentic. No. You want to be authentic. News, everyone. Oh, you want to be authentic when you're eyeing oh, on someone's doing a poop. Okay, um I'll get the and bags then you out. want to be um you want to be authentic on stage. So it's that thing where you go you at some stage I, I slightly w- worry about the kind of social media thing of going you could be deplatformed as a comedian now in a way that didn't seem feasible 10 years ago. Yeah. Um do you know what I mean? Because it yeah. it doesn't feel like now you could it feels like you could say the wrong thing.
1: When you say deplatformed, I like that word. Just so It's the idea well, that can that, happen we, overnight. I find that
0: the most shocking sort of thing that's happened in the last maybe five years, not the, not what Jermaine Greer said, but the fact that Jermaine Greer, the woman that wrote The Female Unit, like a, 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 a proper era-defining feminist thinker, was deplatformed. She can't speak at a university now. And you go, well, that's just... You're not having the debate. This is... And it's coming from the left, this mm-hmm. kind of right-wing sort of... I don't know, it's a very odd time. And it feels like comedians, we have a certain licence to say whatever we want and just go, look, it's just a joke. Yeah. But at some stage, something could happen and you kind of go, it could be taken away, you might not. And I suppose that's, that's a way of me also kind of reminding myself of, again, how lucky I am that I get to tell jokes. Because at some stage, it could have gone another way with any of the controversial jokes that, the, you know, the, the papers go, oh, there's, there's, um, there's been a meltdown on Twitter. People are very upset about this.
1: But do you get the sense as well with that? I don't you don't strike me as someone that would allow that to inhibit you professionally
0: not really I think you get into an odd situation now where it's probably best never to apologise for a joke you think because, so? well because otherwise you might as well just apologise for all of them because yeah. you go well I didn't tell I didn't tell it like I'm not an idiot I didn't tell it by mistake I didn't yeah. just top, it's just you know yeah I said that I thought it was funny people laughed you know I, I don't know I don't know what you're at uh, the end and the end of it is you know people kind of going mixing up a joke and advocacy of whatever it is you're talking about yeah you tell a joke about isis or terrorism you're not advocating anything you're just you're laughing what else are you meant to do with these terrible things or or you know or...
1: but there is more fear surrounding that isn't there i think people are more careful about that and actually you've made a point in the past which i tend to agree with you know i think i heard you possibly it was, i don't know but i've heard you make this point before that you know, you're not going and shouting it through someone's letterbox.
0: Yeah, so. I think there's certainly a difference in what you do on television and what you do live because yeah. it's you know they're they're literally buying into your comedy.
1: We've reached the house now.
0: We have reached the and house, and
1: so it's pretty much the end of the walk.
0: Just another two and a half miles up the driveway to the front door,
1: and then you'll get you're going you're gigging tonight, aren't you?
0: Of course, yeah, Sunday night.
1: So you'll have your little drive, Jimmy, and the car. I've got,
0: I've got ages. I've with got, his music on. I've got, uh, yeah, with a little bit of. Uh,
1: what will you have on, Selena Gomez? Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe. So a little
0: bit of that. I'll probably, um, I'll put, uh, I don't know, a podcast of some description. Something. Oh, you never know.
1: I can recommend one. think I've really enjoyed you? our dog walk. I'm holding Poo.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, it's weird But I'm going to come in for a cup of tea Come in for Th- a cup of tea Thank All you right. so much for, uh, for the dog walk
0: Well thank you Thank you for letting me be part of this uh, this podcast which will... And you've got
1: a grey uh, You've got what looks like a clown's button on your neck Which is the microphone But I quite like it
0: The clown's button <laughs> Okay Again that feels like something Alan Carr told you about <laughs> And is actually not what you think it is
1: thanks for listening i really hope you enjoyed it and here's this week's doggy tip remember money can buy you a lot of things but it doesn't wiggle its butt when you come in the door well unless you've paid someone to do that and they'd probably charge you by the hour if you know what i mean well that's all for now we'll be back soon with some of my human and furry friends join us again next time